Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. Today I have a very fundamental but crucial message. Like I said during the Bible study, in these last few months and weeks, God has downloaded to me. Wow. It's never happened to me before. And I believe it's, it's, a, it's a new phase. A whole series of messages. I'll be praying, reading my Bible, and pew, just come. So I've written the outline of all of them down. Uh, it'll take probably six months, if not a whole year, to preach all of it. But I'll be taking it in bits and pieces as he permits me. Uh, The new year is going to be very important. Um, A new year message. Like I said during the Bible study. 24 is going to be a year of selection and preparation. And when you come for the watch night service, you will understand the context. I'm going to be talking about the times of the Feasts of Tabernacles. Fresh revelation has come. Fresh. To me. To you. Fresh. And God's given me a whole perspective by his mercy and grace of not just now, but another 10 years. About. Actually, about 30 years. By which time, all this stuff will all round up. And because one of the characteristics of true prophets are also going to be talking about overcoming the deception of lying prophets. It's rife in the church. But we'll, we'll overcome it. One of the characteristics, hallmarks, of true prophets is that they have understanding of the times and what Israel ought to do. And the word times there in the scripture actually means years. So a true prophet will be able to have understanding of the year 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, 2029, 2030, 2031, 32, 33, right on to the close of the age. The age is going to close The manifestation of the sons of God at first, which will then trigger the discipling, making of disciples using the pattern of the 12 and the 70. Disciples aren't just people who are born again. Well, the pattern of the 12 and the 70, that is the um, scriptural pattern of the disciples. In every tribe, tongue, and trinidad, <clears throat> when all that is over, that'll take about another 20 years. I use the word about. Because when you talk about types and shadows, you must not be, unless, you, unless you're a deceiver. <laughs> and you lack understanding, you cannot be rigid. Because it is a God and man combination. God does his part, man does his part. 
So the Bible speaks about hastening the coming. So that means there's implication for delaying his coming. So that's why it's about. It's about, you know, uh, maybe 20 something, 30 years. I don't think it'll be more than 30. And after that, the rapture of the perfect church. And after that, the great tribulation, which would take us above 2050. You know, the other day, my wife and I were watching, and uh, Pastor Wally and Kitchen were watching the news in England, you know, and I see all of them planning for 2050. I just shake my head. And these guys haven't got a clue that Jesus is coming soon. Now, he's not coming tomorrow, but he is coming. You can take it to the bank. Today's message is foundational, fundamental. And I have entitled it, Overcoming Sin and Condemnation. For us to move ahead in the great things that are in front of us, you must master. And I thank God for that song, that Pastor Andrew song, The Faith of Jesus. You know, and he chose it himself. He sent it to me for approval, of course, but he chose it himself. He didn't know what I was preparing. So I knew that, you know, the Lord, you know, he says, he only takes a view of me and you through the righteousness of Jesus. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm justified by the faith of the Son of God. Now, people say it, but they don't understand it. And what I, I yet not I, the grace of God, which is with me, want to do this afternoon is I want to, you to be solid. Just before I start, I, I read the scripture. See, in your Christian life, you should get to the place where you are never under condemnation again. Never. Doesn't mean you don't sin. But even when you do sin, you know exactly how to deal with it. And you live above condemnation. The reality, by the time I finish this message, the reality of this statement should be your experience. For sin will not have dominion over you. Because you do all things right. No. But because you are not under law, but under grace. It's one thing to say, it's another thing to experience it. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans. In chapter 8. And I'm going to read the first four verses to start with. It actually links up from chapter 7. I'm still going to do chapter 7 later on. But I want to just zero in on this to begin with. And everybody read after me out loud. There's something about saying God's word that registers on your heart. There's a place to think on it. There's also a place to say it. And actually what you should do is both. You say it, then you think it. You say it, and then you think it. The word is neither in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. So let's, let's be good children, good boys and girls, good men and women. And let's, let's just do what he says. Trust me, he's much smarter than you and I. Not just smarter, much smarter. Don't let me get off on that. God is, God is so, I, I'm crazy about God. I guess you can know that already. 
<laughs> I love Jesus. You know, like Kenneth Copeland said years ago, he said, he said, this guy's a fanatic. A fanatic is just someone who loves God more than you do. So to you, he looks peculiar. <laughs> David Ingalls sang a beautiful song, Peculiar. You know, we look peculiar to people who don't love God. Even Christians. You say, what's wrong with them? Oh, we just love God more than you do. You know why? We appreciate what he's done more than you do. We're experiencing more what he's done more than you do. That's why you don't love him as much. The more you experience what he's done, you know, uh, and, and what he's made provision for, the more you're going to love him. The less, the less you love him. Mm. So read out loud. There is therefore now. Everybody say this much louder. No condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus. In the original Greek, there's a full stop there. The who walk not out of the flesh out of the spirit is not in verse 1. It's actually in verse 4. If you have a King James Bible, you'll find that it's in italics. So the translators put it in at their, you know, you know, the carnal mind. Where, you know, but that's not what it says. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation them which are in Christ Jesus. Full stop. And you're going to see the reason why it is so. I will... I yet not I, by the grace of God, with me, I'll show you. There is therefore now, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Does that mean you should sin? Certainly not. Says God forbid, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So it's not an excuse for sin. It's just the way things are. That's the reality. If you are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. You'll explain, I'll explain, you know, as we go on. Four. Four means because I didn't hear you. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You got two laws here. We're not dealing here with moral law at the onset. We're dealing with spiritual law, which ultimately will come and fulfill moral law. They were talking here about spiritual laws. There are two of them. There is one which is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Put simply... It is the law in Christ Jesus by which the Holy Spirit gives you divine life to enable you overcome the law of sin and death. When sin happens, when sin occurs, it causes a block between you and God which results in spiritual death. Spiritual death is a separation from God which results in a <clears throat> corruption of the things God has put in you. Uh, let me, uh, the Holy Spirit will help me here. Let me explain something. I was actually thinking about that thing today. And I, well, I wasn't thinking about the message. I was just, just my normal meditations. Because I pray a lot in the Spirit, you see, by the grace of the mercy of God. So I'm always having all these lovely thoughts. And I recognize now that it's not because Olubi is smart. No. It's God who's putting it in my heart. You know? And the thought came to me that once you make good, there is a possibility of evil. You cannot create good without there being a possibility of evil. Not possible. And I'll tell you the reason why. Once you've done something that is good 
you know, the Bible says only God is good. There is a possibility that another being, created being, can distort. Evil is simply a rearrangement of good. During the Bible study, I used a simple illustration, but very graphic, of arsenic. Arsenic is, is, a, is a chemical. It's made of carbon, oxygen, I can't remember. You can Google it. You know, it'll tell you the formula. You know, you know it's just like any other material. The only thing that makes it poisonous is the configuration. The word configuration is a big word for arrangement. In other words, the way the, the atoms, the, the, the molecules, the, the, the protons, the neutrons, let's keep it simple, you know, and the electrons that make it up, they are arranged in such a way that makes it arsenic. Take the same protons, the same electrons, and the same neutrons, rearrange them and you get water. Water won't kill you. Arsenic will. Glucose will give you strength and energy. It's made of, they're all organic substances. It's made of carbon, oxygen, you know, nitrogen, all these things. You, you arrange it in a particular way, it becomes glucose. You take the same thing, you arrange it in the wrong way, it becomes arsenic. That will kill you in five minutes. Glucose will give you strength. So, when God made everything, he made it good. So he made glucose, glucose, I'm just using that as an illustration. Things that will give you strength and energy. Then he tells you, he said, don't touch it all. Don't tamper with it. Because if you tamper with it and you change the arrangement, what I have done that is good will now become evil. That's the origin of all evil. Anything, you want to do something good, you know. Ah, I remember where I got the thought from. You know, I got the thought and then it was developing in my heart. And now the Holy Spirit now triggered me. You know where I got it from? CNN. I was watching a program which is called Tech for Good. They do it. There's this girl in Hong Kong, one of the CNN anchors, Christy Lou Stout, I think that's her name. Nice lady, you know. So they were showing all the new technology, you know. It's called Tech for Good. It, it's from there the Holy Spirit took it. Is that... He said, all that technology that is good, the same technology, twist it a little bit and it will become evil. The splitting of the atom that came from the um, theoretical physics <coughs> of special relativity that Albert Einstein, you know, that shows us that even in a mass that is just dormant, there's inherent energy. And a lot of it. As you get E is equal to MC squared. C is the speed of light. So you get a lot of energy from just a small tiny mass. Because that's the way God made it. That energy can be used in two ways. You can use it to power a plant that will give electricity. Good. The same energy can be used to create a hydrogen bomb. Or an atom bomb that will destroy a city like New York. You know, not the, not the, not, not the tiny, um, uh, 
<laughs> crackers that were dropped in, in, in um, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They're, they're toys compared to what we got today. You, with the kind of bombs we got today, if they dropped it, I'm not talking about Lagos. Lagos is small. A city like New York, you know, the whole of Manhattan, Pastor G, you know, Brooklyn, all pulverized in seconds. The same formula, E is equal to MC squared. Tech for good. And then from there, God began to develop this in me. He said, you know, he said, everything that is good can be turned to evil. Then he asked me this question. Should I then not make anything good? He said, because there's a potential that good can be turned to evil, does that, will that then stop me from doing good? He said, no. He said, that's why I went ahead and made man. That's why I made him and made the planets. He said, I've made everything good. And then I now tell the, crea- the creations that this is how I have made this thing. This is how it is good. If you do this, this will distort it and it will become evil. So I now made laws that will protect good and will fight evil. That is why all those who do evil will be punished and removed from circulation and put in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone so that they will not continue to distort the good that God has done. All that came from CNN. So when you're watching TV, say, God, what are you saying? <laughs> You'll be amazed God will talk to you, even from watching um, CNN. All right. So there is therefore now, let's go back to that. This is still on my side. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Full stop. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, spiritual law, just like the law of lifting aeronautics, has made me free or has enabled me to overcome the law of sin and death like the law of gravity. So the law of gravity, you know, it's just simple. Um, everybody can observe that. We throw a ball up a helicopter because of the gravitational force between the ball and the earth. So when an airplane flies, it releases energy, let's just keep it like that, you know, force that causes a pressure difference between the wings. So you're going to have more pressure under the wing than the one that's over because of the speed of the air. So that causes what is called lift. So the lift causes the airplane to rise above the law of gravity. Observe, the law of gravity is not suspended, it's overcome. It's still in operation. But so long as the aeroplane is flying at the right speed and it has petrol or kerosene, you know, and it, you know, the, 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 either the propellers are um, 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 revolving or the jet is coming out, it will stay afloat. So it is in the spirit. The law, the problem is, this is a disaster, you know. The, the church is so ignorant. You know, Paul wrote it three times, more than three. I would not have you ignorant. You know, the law of the spirit of life, most Christians don't even know what it is. 
There is a law. It's not, it's not thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh-uh. Those are moral laws. This is a law. This is a spiritual law of the spirit of, uh, of, the spirit of life in Christ. Just will liberate you. It will cause you to live above the law of sin and death that will bring you down. But you have to know it. Then you have to activate it. It is the doing of that that will enable you now to keep moral law. Those are the next two verses. Verse 3. For what the law... Now he's talking... You see again, if you don't know your Bible, you will not be able to rightly divide. The law of verse 2 is not the same as the law of verse 3. The law of verse 3 is the moral law of the Ten Commandments. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, etc., etc. For what that law, that moral law, could not do in that it was weak. There's nothing wrong with the law. Through the flesh, through the sin nature that is inside the human flesh, the mind, the, the emotions, and the physical body. God, the solution, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not sinful flesh, in the likeness. In other words, he took on a human body just like us. But his whole human body did not have the sin nature in it. And for sin, condemned sin in the church, in the flesh, excuse me. That's, <coughs> we're going to see it more clearly as I go on. But that's the reason why there is no condemnation for you. The condemnation for the sins you commit... Jesus has paid the price for it. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, I don't know. That's shouting. That's shouting country, man. Hallelujah. Now, he explains in verse 4. That the righteousness, the righteous requirements of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, will be fulfilled. In those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's where that comes in. So that should not have been in verse 1. It should be in verse 4. Is this clear? The, the, if you, let's, let me keep it simple. If you activate the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you will get the power the wisdom and the strength to keep the moral law. But if you don't, and you try and keep the moral law, the sin nature in your flesh will cause you to fail. That is why, Pastor Andrew read it earlier on today from Galatians, when he sing that song by David Ingalls, therefore by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The sin nature in the flesh can never keep the moral law. That's why God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Condemned sin by dying on the cross in the flesh. Hallelujah. That we can keep that the righteous requirements of the law will be kept by us. Who walk not after the sinful nature in the flesh, but after the nature of the Holy Ghost. It's, a, it's quite a bit to unbundle. And you know the funny thing? 
I remember listening to Kenneth Copeland. This is 43 years ago. It was in 1980. Uh, Kenneth Hagen's camp meeting. I can never forget it. One of the greatest messages, as far as I'm concerned, that he's ever preached. The, the day I meet Kenneth Copeland, I'm sure I'll meet him soon. <laughs> I'll tell him, and I'm sure he will agree with me. I think it's one of the best messages he's ever preached. That day, there was, it was, uh, you know, it was a series of meetings. You know, <clears throat> you know Kenneth Hagen would preach in the evening. Kenneth Copeland would preach in the morning. I went to camp meeting. 1980, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He broke this thing down. And I remember Kenneth Copeland saying then, and it's still true today, he said that it's just in the last few years that the church has begun to understand these scriptures. And then he also said, as we still don't understand it well enough yet. Looking back now with hindsight for over 40 years, the understanding I have now, I didn't have it then. Those scriptures are obscure to most of the church. We don't understand. What does it mean? But gradually, light, the path of the righteous has a shining light that shines more and more. So what I'm giving you now is an updated version. <laughs> the law of the spirit of life in Christ. That the righteous requirements of the law. Now, having explained that, let me go on in the message. It says, we are to overcome sin... should be off here good we over we have we we are to overcome sin and the condemnation it brings by the honest everybody scream honest i didn't hear you scream it we are to overcome sin and the condemnation and sin does when you sin satan will come and try and condemn you That's his stock in trade. So, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. He says, the, the, the accuser of the brethren. Satan is one of the worst people you can ever meet. He will tempt you. He is the one who will put the lust in your mind. And, and he, will, he will put spiritual forces to make you do the wrong thing. Then when you finally do it, he's the same person who will now turn around and say, hey, you will die. He's a terrible person. Terrible. Terrible. So, anyway. Oh. Yeah. <coughs> By honest use. I would say honest use of the blood of Jesus. <coughs> By praying uh, uh, the blood of Jesus, the life of God, and praying in the spirit. So you overcome sin at two levels. You overcome the nature of sin. I'm not talking to anybody here. Oh, somebody give me a wave offering. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't sleep on pastor. I mean, he's just back, so don't sleep. All right. Okay. You know, you overcome. You see, all these things, is, 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 it's precision knowledge. What the scripture calls epignosis. You know, you've got to overcome sin at two levels. You overcome, firstly, the nature of sin. Then you now overcome the deeds of sin. If you don't separate it, you'll be under condemnation. You understand what you're doing. In fact, Paul says so. We're going to see that in a minute. So, we 
overcome. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. What's going on here? This thing is, um, yes, okay, that's better. Good. <clears throat> All these electronics, you know, they, 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 it will reduce the page when you don't want it to reduce it, and it expand it when you don't want to expand it. So, by honest use of the blood of Jesus, the life of God, and praying in tongues, you can dominate, or you should dominate both. Everybody scream both. The nature and the acts of sin. See, people, the, the church for millennia has focused on the acts of sin and not dealt with the nature of sin, which is what causes the acts of sin. It was E.W. Kenyon. Let's give E.W. Kenyon a super clap offering. Not a super one. You know, oh, they're alive. Oh, they're not dead. Because it's not the God of the dead. It's the God of the living. They can hear from heaven. They can see what you are saying. Okay, good. E.W. Kenyon, in his wonderful books, you know, you know the, the two kinds of righteousness, the two kinds of life, what happened from the cross to the throne, ooh, ooh, you know, the hidden man of the heart, Time would fail me. How many? And you know, up till today, he's not, he's not appreciated in the church. That's how we can get They don't even know who he is. God gave him fresh revelation after 200 years of John Wesley. John Wesley did a great work and talked about, you know, the second work of grace, sanctification, all of that. But it was E.W. Kenyon that brought clarity. On how that thing actually works out. And that's what I'm telling you now. With greater clarity by the grace and the mercy of God. Now watch this. You got to deal with the nature of sin. And then you have to deal with the deeds of sin. So that you will not come to the experience of Romans 6.14. For sin... Both the nature of sin and the deeds of sin will not dominate you because you are not under the moral law, but under grace, which gives you access to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets you free from the law of sin and death. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.